prophesy it, speak it out.
As we get started this morning, you can take out your notes. Amen. I was so excited during that song, Waymaker. Uh, it goes along with our message today so much, finding joy. How many of you would like to find some joy in your life right now? Uh, how many of you would like to find joy? One? Okay, no. <laughs> we all would love to find some joy in our life. Amen. And that's what we're we're going to be uh, talking about and. So hopefully you've seen on Facebook that uh, this is what this, story, this uh, sermon was uh, this morning on finding joy. Amen. But how many of you have ever been looking for something that you, maybe you've lost and you, you never could find it, and all of a sudden one day, oh, but there it is. It's been there the whole time, but I've never found it. You know why? Because I was looking in the wrong place. Right? Where's where's the everything that is lost is always found in the same place, the last place you looked. That's where you find. Right? Uh, Chris, I see Christy had a she had a diamond earring that was missing for over a year. Right? Couple of months, couple of months that she couldn't find it. Then all of a sudden she looked down on the floor and there it was the whole time. Uh, Barry will tell you this. I had a pair of glasses. Me and him were working in the back parking lot uh, about a month or two ago. And the only place I went that day was from that parking lot to the garage, back and forth. And somehow during that day, my pair of glasses has disappeared. They still haven't been found. I'm, and in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? One day, in a, maybe a year from now, I'm going to see them somewhere that they've been in, probably in plain sight the whole way, but I've just been looking in the wrong area. Right? And this is what I want to... I'll use this basket as an example. This basket exists. It's as real as it could be. Right? It's not a trick question. You could say yes. Okay? It's as real as it could be. And it's there. And if I don't know where it's at and I'm looking for it all over here, is the basket non-existent right now? No, it's there. It's, it's always been there. It's always will be there. My problem is I'm looking in the wrong area, the wrong place to find what I want. Amen? I hope you're getting, you're getting a little taste of what, of what I'm cooking here this morning. And this is finding joy. I think we're living right now in a crazy world. Amen? So let's begin with prayer. That's what we need to do right now. Father, we just come to you right now, and I lift up each and every person in the sound of my voice that is hearing my voice today or whether in the future or online. Father God, I pray that you'd move by your Holy Spirit in each and every one of our lives today, Father God, that every blind eye would be open to your spiritual truths today, that every deaf ear would be open to your spiritual truths today, that every mind could comprehend your truths today, Father God, and every heart be softened to receive your word today, Father, in Jesus' mind in precious name and everybody shouts amen amen and again this message is entitled uh, finding joy and it's we're kind of going to look basically through the book of philippians uh it's only four chapters but we're i'm just going to basically focus on uh, the first chapter and uh i sprinkled in a few other things but i was thinking about this crazy world we're living in we, it never been for most of us, you know, this way. But can I just tell you that throughout time, it's always been crazy? 
The, the, the older you are in, in this world, the more you've been through, the more you've seen. Uh, what's happening right now is we got a generation that's never experienced anything like this. You know, you, you think back through, throughout time, there's always been plagues. There's always been unrest in government. There's always, we, we lived in such a blessed period, this generation right now. You know, and I think back just with my grandfather's generation living through World War II. You know, uh, when, when Hitler was trying to take over the world, uh, killing all the Jews and all those things, chaotic, the whole world was at war. You know, I, I was thinking the other day, and I think I shared with Barry, you know, I was saying I couldn't imagine being, uh, you know, a high school student. Right now, we feel bad for the high school students because they can't go to school like they normally do. They can't graduate like they normally do. And, and it's bad. I'm not saying it's not. But back then, you were graduating and sending your child to war that you'd probably never see him again. The, the second they got out of high school, they went to war and probably never was coming home. That was just World War II. Then you had World War I. We had the 1920s where there was plagues and different things and the uh, food shortages, you know, things. And I, I heard about, you know, y'all want a Boudreaux joke? Yeah, we're going to have a little joy. We're going to have a little fun here this morning. But times are all, you know, the, you talk to all the people and times were always worse then, right? You know how you had to walk, up, walk to school uphill both ways, back, back and forth to school and those things. Well, somebody was talking about, you know, food shortages and things like that. And Boudreaux says, boy, well, I had it bad in the 20s. And they said, well, what do you mean? And they said, we were so poor in the 20s that not only did we not sometimes have lunch, but sometimes we didn't have breakfast, lunch, or supper. He says, but my mom was such a loving mom that every night, if she didn't even have food, we had to go sit at the table. And instead of serving us food, which we had none, she would read us the recipe. And he says, Puff bet my poor little sister, she almost starved to death. She was hard of hearing. <laughs> <laughs> so it can always be bad right? you know there's always been bad times in this world and things and what we're going through right now is guess what i was thinking about this that we don't know what the outcome is but the outcome isn't going to determine my joy it may affect my happiness and we're going to get through this uh today as we talk happiness is like a roller coaster. But when we, we begin to look at Paul's life and what he was saying, having joy in life is not based on the circumstances of life. I'd, uh, in my computer program thing, I'd done a coordinate search for joy and rejoice. And that's why I found it funny that Philippians, that word joy and rejoice in the NIV version, that's the only one I searched, was in four short chapters, was found 14 times. And I said, Paul must have been on to something in his life. That, that he's in four short chapters. Now, I want you to understand where he's, he's writing from prison. So it's like, why, why are you you're writing from prison, but you're using joy and rejoice? There must be some kind of secret he, he found in life. And, that, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. That even though in these crazy times in life, we, we could find joy. 
And I, I want to just look uh, uh, on your notes, if you would go right now. Nehemiah 8.10 says this. I'm going to give us three scriptures to lay a foundation here this morning. Then we're going to be in Philippians. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't have COVID. Don't worry. I ate a donut yesterday and it tasted good. I didn't lose my taste. And that's, oh, I wanted to say that too. They're starting that book club. I've said in the announcements, uh, guys, if any of you, the Lord would lay upon your heart to start a donut club, I'll probably join. <laughs> so look what it says. This is the end of uh, verse uh, 10 in chapter 8 of Nehemiah. It says, do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not the happiness. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, if you're reading this, you think, well, what are you talking about? The joy has, the, the Lord has joy and that's my strength? No, it's talking about that the joy of the Lord, my hope, my faith, my trust in the Lord is my joy. That brings me joy because I know He is the way maker, the miracle worker. That he's always working on my behalf. And uh, so it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if the enemy knows that's your strength, where your strength comes from, from your joy in the Lord, your hope in the Lord, what he tries to do is get your focus off of him and on your circumstances. Because then you'll lose your strength. See, the joy of the Lord is my strength. My hope and promise in Him is what keeps me going through the bad times, that keeps me going through the crazy times of this world. Uh, uh, while we're worshiping, this, this came to me when it says waymaker, miracle worker. You know, we, we talk about this crazy time. And again, I don't know if you've heard this, uh, but there are actually lawmakers that want to pass a bill classifying Christians as a hate group right now in the United States. You see, we lived in this fantasy world that we always talked about that, oh, it's other countries that you can't worship God. Well, guess what? Church, we better wake up. That Christianity would be considered a hate group. Who knows? They've been banning all kind of stuff. Uh, um, thank God we're still on Facebook right now, but a day may come that they may take us off. We may be classified as a hate group in America. We need to wake up. But I don't want you to be shaken because he's a way maker, a miracle worker. And if I look at all these things that's going on in this world, does it make sense to you? Then shout hallelujah. Uh, you don't believe it. If it doesn't make sense to you, shout hallelujah. I, you know why? Because my Bible tells me, and my hope and joy is in Him. My Bible tells me that His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. So when I don't understand what's going on, guess what? I know He does. And He's getting ready to do something. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than our ways. So this is what we're facing right now is beyond what we can imagine and comprehend. What is God doing? And a lot of Christians have come out and, and they're actually believing in themselves. Is Where is God? 
Why is he allowing this to happen? Why are these things happening in this world? See? (laughs) Just when the devil thinks he wins, God has a higher way and a better plan that's above. See, when Jesus died on the cross, his disciples all boudeed. Started kicking the can down the street. What happened to our king? The devil and his demons were celebrating. We won. You see, they did not understand that God's ways are higher than their ways. That his thoughts, his plans are higher than theirs. So, I, so this is where I find myself right now. I have joy in the Lord because I don't know what in the world's going on. But he does. John 16, uh, 33 says this. This is Jesus speaking. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. All right? In him we may have peace. Our our focus is, is in him. And this is the part of the Bible I wish he wouldn't have put. In this world where we are now, we live in a broken world with broken people. In this world you might No, he says, you will. In this world, you will have trouble. Some of you may be saying, well, Brother Scott, I came here to find joy. You you telling me in this world, we will have trouble. Can you, you please, you know, be a little more positive with your message? I will. I'm positive you will have trouble in this world. Because Jesus told us. But we look beyond because our hope isn't in this world. We look beyond. Because notice what he says. He didn't stop there. He says, you will have trouble in this world, but pump the brakes, he says. Take heart. Stop. Hold it. Take heart. I have overcome the world. You see, he's saying, you're going to have trouble in this world, but stop. Don't focus on the trouble. Focus on me because I've overcome the world. You see, what we focus on, what consumes our thoughts with, our, our, again, your speech. You need to record yourself during the day. What you're talking about constantly is what's consuming your thoughts. Okay? What's consuming your thoughts, you begin to speak, it consumes your life. But the Bible tells us to take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, not to focus on what's going on in this. It doesn't say to ignore what's going on in the world. We know trouble is in the world right now. Jesus told us. But if I focus more on the trouble than I do on Him, I'll lose my joy, which is my strength to carry on, and I'll feel like giving up. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what he's telling us there is don't focus on the world's problems. Focus on him. See, the world's going to suck the joy out of you. But if I keep my focus on Jesus, take my every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ, I can find joy and peace in this world.
that's the journey to it. Again, I, I, I have later on in these notes, uh, don't let things that are out of your control control you. See, everything that's going on in this world right now is out of our control. Now, we are to pray and do those things, but it is out of... There's many things we would like to change. It's out of our control, but if I'm not careful, I will let that control me when I should be under the control of the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus said, right? Trouble in the world? Don't focus on that. Don't be controlled by that. Take those thoughts captive. Focus on Him. I wish my little dear was there again so I could preach to him. He listened good last week. So next, look at uh, next verse. Proverbs 3, 5 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Let's, let's look at those first four words again. Trust in the Lord. Say that with me. Trust in the Lord. Can I, let me just stop and say, again, everything I'm saying here today is easy in theory written down, but applying it, anything in life, when you try to apply it to life, gets a little difficult. We know what we should do, but those struggles come. All right? We know what we should do, but it's, it's tough, right? Everybody knows how to diet. Right? We could tell you, probably every person could tell you 10 different kind of diets. Applying that to our life is a whole different world. And sometimes when we're focused and going through things in life, we know what the Word of God says, but we have to slowly begin to apply it to our life. So I need to trust in the Lord. And you see, I could be living in fear. And when she was praying and binding the spirit of fear, that's what I'm thinking, trust in the Lord. We have fear because we don't trust the Lord. His words, what? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our ways. When we're walking in fear and thinking, we're saying, God, I don't know if I trust you. Where are you? What's going on? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on what? Your understanding. You see, that's where we fall into the trap. When we start thinking we have to understand everything why and th- and that when you think be- when you begin to think you have to uh understand everything this word comes up why we always want to know why and can i tell you why gives us a victim mentality you see you're a victor not a victim you are more than a conqueror in Christ. And a, a victim mentality is, why did this happen to me? Why am I, why, why is God, no. In other words, we know what's happening, but my God is a way maker. He's a promise keeper. I'm not going to focus on the negative and why. Uh, and again, we're going to get a little further in this is we need to begin, instead of asking why, to change that to what. Not why did this happen, but God, what are you doing? What are you doing with this? And we're going to see that in Paul's life. What are you doing? You know what? His plans are bigger than our plans. 
What's going on in the United States, around the world, is not catching God by surprise. He's got a plan. But I don't, we don't understand it yet. But I could sit here and whine about what's going on, or I could look and put my hope and trust in Him and say, boy, what God's up to. God's up to something good. He's about to do something. <coughs> so again, <coughs> let me take a sip of water here. If you look in Philippians, listen to the Philippians 1, 3, and 6 on your paper. I thank my, this is how Paul starts after his greeting. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you all, I always pray with joy. I don't know if you familiar with Paul's situation here. I'm going to explain it to you, but when I read that, I was thinking, how can he have any joy in his life? He's in prison, remember? This is one of the prison epistles that he's written while he's in prison. And just a little backstory on this, prison back then is not prison of today. Okay? And I don't want to go to prison here today. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. With it. It's not a great time. But back then, it was a lot worse. We, back then, you could have called it a dungeon more than a prison. See, prison today, you get three hot meals, a cot to sleep on, probably cable TV, all kind of different things. Back then, a lot of their prisons were actually, their cells were underground where no daylight came in. You were chained to a wall. If you ate that day, you were lucky. And who knows what they fed you. You were beaten and all these things. Totally different. This is, he finds himself in a prison in Rome. And that's another thing I want to talk about is it had always been Paul's vision to preach the gospel in Rome. And I'm sure when he was thinking about, boy, when I could get to Rome and preach the gospel, I could see him, he probably has a vision of all crowds all around him. But he's in prison in Rome. You see, it didn't go exactly as he planned. But it went exactly how God planned. See, God, God's plan, and we're, we're going to get into this in a second here. God's plan was much bigger than Paul's plan. God's plan didn't make human sense. But his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. And that's where he found joy. Because how can you be in a prison, face, knowing that you're probably facing death any day, and say, I pray with joy for you all. I begin thinking, if I'm writing that letter, knowing they're probably going to knock on my cell door any day and execute me, I would not start with, uh, in all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. I would have, my message letter to you would have said, help! Get me out of this place! Get me out of here! And fearing for life. But he says, I thank my God. You see, he wasn't there, oh God, why am I here? Why you let this happen to me? Oh, don't you love me? 
everybody else. Let, let me get you deeper in, into, uh, into Paul's life. I'm going to jump, and this isn't in your notes, but uh, if you want to turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians 11, 23 through 29. <clears throat> I want to give you a, a little bit of things. How many things that could steal your joy if you let them? Now, watch Paul's life. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. Again, he, he, he's talking, I need to get a little further in, but are they all servants of Christ? And he says, I'm out of my mind. It's about people comparing their sufferings their, with their doing for God. He says, am I not world more? And listen to this life that he has, that he still could say, I have joy when I'm in prison, waiting death. When it didn't go the way I thought life would go. I thought I was going to be the superstar preacher in, in Rome on, on every TV station around. But yet I find myself in prison. For not doing bad things. For actually sharing the gospel. For doing what God commanded me to do. He says, first of all, I've worked, worked much harder than all these people. But he says, I've also been in prison more again not for doing wrong but for following the will of god for his life sharing the gospel been flogged more severely been exposed to death again and again look verse 24 five say that number five times i received from the jews the 40 lashes minus one we think about Christ when he received the, the, the 39 lashes because they say at 40 it would probably kill you. He says five times I've received that. Now, can I also tell you, once they flogged you, they didn't take you to the emergency room for, to patch you up and, oh, poor baby, lay down, we're going to give you some pain medication. no. Back to the cell, chained to the rock. You heal on your own. So his body was probably in horrible shape when he's writing this, thanking God and praying with joy. Verse 25 says, Three times I was beaten with rods. Now he's not talking about the many blind curtain rod, you know. Now, those were good. Where the Bible says sparing out the rod, let me tell you something. You've got to get you some mini blinds and those little things. My, my kids will tell you, I, we didn't have many rods left on the mini blinds. I broke them all on them. <laughs> but these aren't the rods. He said, so besides all the five times flogged, three times beaten with these rods, Once I was pelted with stones. Can you think just standing there and have people throwing stones at you, hitting you? When did he have time to heal up? He must have carried a case of antibiotic in his backpack. Three times I was shipwrecked. Tell you what, if Paul was getting on a ship, if we, if we, when we're in heaven and, 
If there's cruises that you could go on, if I see Paul getting on the same ship, I'm getting off. I don't care if it's in heaven or not. I don't, I don't know. That's three times he's shipwrecked. He says he spent a day and a night in the open sea. This is not knowing, knowing there is no coast guard coming, knowing there's nobody looking for me, freezing in this cold water. He says, uh, I've been constantly on the move. And I was like, thinking about this. You remember one time they were shipwrecked? They finally make it to land, and when he, they make a fire, and he's warming up, and guess what happens? A deadly serpent bites his hand. <laughs> I would surely be saying, why, God? Why? Why is this happening? But in his case, we're going to see he was more about, God, it's about what you're doing, not why, because I don't understand all your ways. He said, verse 26, I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits. And that's not Smokey and the bandit. And danger from my fe from uh, fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. And besides everything else, he says, I'm, I'm faced with the daily pressure and concern for all the churches I've planted. Whew. I'm wore out just reading his resume. Somebody who could have easily said, I don't have joy. Right? So it makes us hard to complain and say, oh, well, but you just don't know what I'm going through. I'm not playing down anything you're going through. But according to him, what he went through, and he still found joy because he knew where to look for it. He knew where it was found. So let's get back to Philippians 1, 3, and 6. It says this, I always pray with joy. Verse 5 says, because, and here's the reason, of your partnership with, uh, in the gospel from the first day into now. And 6 is the key. Being confident of this. Circle being confident. This is where it falls into. That no matter what I've been through in my life, I am confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in Christ Jesus. This is where his joy is found because I'm confident that God who began a good work in you will continue it on to completion. We're not going to give up because my hope is not found in, in uh, the things of the world. My joy is not found in the things of the world. <coughs> Excuse me. So let, let's quickly get going here. I want you to know there's a difference between happiness and joy. Paul is talking about joy. Joy and happiness are close together, but they are two different things. Happiness is dealing with the external circumstances you're facing with. So if you would ask Paul, are you happy that you're in jail? Hey, man, no, he'd say. Now, those of you out of state, take I said a banana, not a banana. A banana means, of course not. So we know that 
again, happiness is external, but joy is internal. Okay, joy is internal, our trust in God. It comes from our trust and faith in Him. And how many of you ever heard the pursuit of happiness? Right? What, what, what is that? See, things can make us happy, but happiness is temporary. Happiness is based on conditions. What's going on in your life? Right? How many, how many of you, have? Uh, if you're like me, I don't know why at night I get hungry and, boy, I eat. Oh, I was eating some good vanilla wafers last night with a cold glass of milk. Mm, that made me so happy. This morning I said, I can't believe you ate those cookies and milk last night. Right? <laughs> right? How, how many of you know that some things that it makes you happy temporarily, but in the long run it don't? How many of you know that there's no better smell than a brand new car? Oh, well, how about that? Huh? You get at the excitement, you're getting happy. You're thinking about buying a new vehicle or something, some other things. And boy, when you get it, oh, oh, smells so good. And on the drive home, you're just so happy. Nothing smells better than a brand new car. But can I tell you, after a while, nothing smells worse than the payment that comes in the mail. Right? That joy for that new car was temporary. The circumstances changed. Four years down the line, when you're still getting that payment, you and the new car smells gone. Uh, why did I do that? Right? Oh, I found it. So let's continue here. I want, want to show you this through Scripture. Second Corinthians four sixteen through 8 says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart. In other words, he's telling us not to give up. Don't give up. Though outwardly, we are wasting away. What is outwardly? It's, it's on the outside. And he's talking about your physical body, but the things we face. In, in this world, it's a broken world that is wasting away. He says, outwardly, those things that, that could bring happiness in our life are, are wasting away. It's just temporary. It's going to be ups and downs through life, he says. But yet, inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. See, he's, he's telling you there's outward situations, but there's inward also, the Spirit of God in you. And he says that these outward things will, will go away. They won't last forever. It may bring joy for a moment. It may uh, not joy. It may bring happiness for a moment. But joy is an inward thing from the Spirit of God. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then he goes on to say this in verse 17. Thinking of what I just read about him. For our light and momentary troubles. Think of what he's saying. Did, did you hear the list I just read of what he went through? But yet he says, but our light and momentary troubles. You see, he had a true aspect of what was really important and really going on. That the outward things are light and momentary compared to the glory we have in, in Christ. It says our light and momentary problems are achieving for us... Uh, are achieving for us what we go through in life. God uses all things for the good, for 
us an external glory that far outweighs them all. You see, he knows that everything I'm going through in prison, all this stuff, it doesn't even compare to what I have in him. So if I'm not careful, I'll let the circumstances in life steal my joy. And they're only light and momentary. It's only for a while. It won't last forever. He says, so this is what he says. He says, well, here's the solution, people, in verse 18. So fix your eyes. And and I like to say it this way, because our eyes are broken. Fix those eyes. Because your eyes only want to look at the negative things. Your eyes only want to look at the, the temporary things, the things in this world that's going on around you, and they're not looking at the right thing. He says, so fix your eyes not on what is seen, this outward world that's wasting away, but what is, on, what is unseen. Since what is seen is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. My joy is found in Him in eternity. Let, let's, let's go quickly here. Let me wet my whistle. Okay. Again, Happiness is based on your circumstances, but joy is based on Christ, in Christ. Happiness is based on my circumstances. If someone walks in here and gives you a a check for a million dollars, I'd say you're probably going to be happy. if, if If you have trouble where you want to spend it, let me know. I'll help you out. But that's a circumstance. Do you have control if somebody would do that? No. You see, happiness, again, most of it is out of our control. The actual word happy, the hap, H-A-P, is Latin for luck or chance. Think about that. Happiness is by luck or chance, whatever happens. Happiness in your circumstance, and I want to break down this word circumstance into two words to help us understand. Uh, Circum talks about a circle. Stance is where a standing, where I am. So happiness is based on the circle I'm standing in, what's going on in my life. It may be good, it may be bad. It may make me happy. It may make me sad. There's nothing wrong with being happy. We want to be happy. But this world is going to be a roller coaster. Because it's, it's that hap which is based on luck or chance. Right? Again, last year was the perfect example. Every year I, I do a calendar. We just had our uh, calendar meeting for this year at church. Kind of putting things on the calendar. What we're planning and things. Uh, but how many of you know last year, when, when January 2020, none of us thought 2020 would be that way. We all had different plans, but guess what? It didn't happen the way we wanted to. And we found ourselves standing in the circle that this life dealt us. That was completely out of our control. But my joy is found in Him. My joy is not based on what's happening around me. Did did you ever notice how two people could be in the same situation but have totally different? One's totally freaked out, 
and the other one has peace. See, the one that's freaked out is focused, their eyes are broken and is focused on the problem. The one that has peace says, he's the way maker. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's the way maker, miracle worker. I'm just going to trust him. Now, now can I say again, I'll go back to the second scripture. We talked about trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know what a lot, where a lot of people miss that scripture? They're saying, oh, trust in the Lord that he's going to do what I want him to do. Oh, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to happen. I'm just trusting you, Lord, that you're going to do what I want you to do. Well, his ways are higher than your ways. So it may not happen the way you want it to. Jesus' disciples, none of them wanted him to go to the cross. But how many of you know it was the best thing that he went to the cross. So I may be going through something in life. Our world may not look the way we want it to, but we have to have our trust in God and know that he has a plan. And whatever that plan is, is better than what I could think of. Excuse me. Again, uh, on your paper, but do not let what you cannot control control you. You could walk around right now in this life in fear of what's going to happen. Or you could say, God, I'm just trusting you. I'm not going to let what's going on in this world steal my joy because my joy is the strength that I have to go carry on. That keeps me from giving up. That keeps me from feeling I am hopeless. See, if the devil could steal that joy from you, steal that thing from you, and that thing that God has disappeared, why is evil winning? Why is all this going on? He stole your joy. And your joy is what's your strength to carry on. To keep believing. <clears throat> so let, let's get back to, to Philippians Philippians 4.10 through 13 says this. He's saying, I, there you go with that word, rejoice greatly. Again, just to touch up, how can someone in a horrible prison that has been gone through everything he went through speak like this? I rejoice greatly. How in the Lord not my circumstance I find myself in, but I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Now notice what's happening. Is he's right in the beginning, he's saying how much they care, but they had lost contact with him. They had lost, he felt like he was left alone. That at, you have renewed your concern for me. He says, indeed you're, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And he says this, I am not saying this because I am in need. He says, for I have learned something. I have learned to be content, to be satisfied, to, to not be freaking out over everything. Whatever the circle I find myself standing in. He's standing in a prison. That's his circle. That's his circumstances at the time. Standing in a prison for sharing the gospel. Uh, verse, no, verse 11, let me go back to verse 11. 
I'm not saying this because I, I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever uh, the circumstances. Verse 12 says, I know what it is to be in need. So that I'm not happy when I'm in need. My circumstances aren't good. But he says, but I know what it is to have plenty. So I know that circumstance. But he says, I, I, when, I'm, when I'm in need, I'm not happy. When I have plenty, I'm happy, but that's not my joy. I found to have joy no matter what circle I'm standing in, whatever circumstance is in my life. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation or any circumstance I find myself, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And this is the thing, that I can do all things through Him who gives me Strength. So when I find myself in a circumstance that I, I, I that's stealing that I'm not happy in, He still is my strength to go through it. I have to focus on Him and not the circumstance. See, happiness happens by chance, but joy happens by choice. I can choose to trust Him. I can choose to look to Him and not what's going on around me. I, I want to just read Deuteronomy 30, verses 19 through 20. It says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. And He says, Now choose. And I, He even encouraged that. Choose life. Choose to trust in the Lord so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to his voice and hold fast to him. And notice what this says. For the Lord is your life. Not your circumstance is not your life. The Lord is your life. And I'm going to trust in him no matter what circle I find myself standing in. And he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So I need to know that I can have joy no matter what my circumstance is. And this is where I want to show you where Paul did not complain and gripe to God and cry about why is all this happening to me. To say, instead of saying, why is all this happening to me and a poor victim, woe is me, oh poor me, why did God, why did you let this all happen to me? So he sees why God let it happen. Now notice this, it says, is it right for me to feel this way, Philippians 1, 7 through 11, is it right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have had you in my heart? And whether, here's circumstances, whether I'm in chains or I'm out defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Now, you could say that he's saying, that I miss y'all. It's not a happy situation I'm in. But I still have the joy of the Lord. I, I miss all of y'all. I'd much rather be with y'all than here in prison. And he says, but this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in the knowledge 
and in the depth of insight that you could truly get an understanding of what's going on here. Verse 10 says, so that you may be able to understand, uh, able to discern not the why, but what is best. Not the why, but what is best. Not, oh, why did Jesus have to do, but Je- why did Jesus have to die? He died so we could be saved. That's what God was accomplishing. That's the what of what happened. He says, what is best? And it may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So here what Paul says, he's in jail, and this is talking about that Paul's change, the very thing that most of us would be complaining about is the thing that God used because his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our ways, that God used Paul in prison to reach more people than if Paul probably would have been out of prison. You know why we got this book right now that we're reading? Because Paul was in prison. That wasn't good news for Paul. That wasn't, didn't make him happy. But he's seen why. And notice what he goes on to say in verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that not why did this happen to me, but what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Think about that. Instead of me sitting here whining and crying why I'm in this circumstance in life, I realized that God used it to advance the gospel. And he says, that's where my joy is, that I know that that that's what's God's purpose right now. It, uh, verse 13, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my change, now no, again, because I'm in these change, most of the brothers and sisters, this is what a result of, have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. He says, because I'm in chains here, they've gotten bolder and they're proclaiming the gospel. It's advancing the gospel. So I could be complaining about why. Why is this happening? But God has a bigger plan. Verse 15, it is true that some preach, and now notice all these things, poor guy, I feel so sorry for him as I keep reading this, but he's in prison, and then he's talking about there's some other ministers that are putting me down and kind of stirring trouble, I'm already in prison, but they're still stirring trouble up for me, and they're ministers. (coughs) Now I want you to understand as we read this, Paul referred in Galatians to some, some, and he criticized those that were preaching another gospel, which is wrong, and the things that it was some other way than Jesus Christ. But he doesn't refer to that in here. He's actually, he actually rejoices in these people that are stirring up trouble for him because of a reason. Notice what he goes on to say. It is true that some preach out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Many do it for the right reason. He says the latter, those that do it out of goodwill, do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. He says, but those that do it out of envy and robbery, the former, preach Christ out of a selfish ambition, not sincerely, uh, 
supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But look the next two words. But what? But what does that matter? Not why. Why are they doing this to me? It says the important thing is that in every way, whether from their false motives or true, Christ is preached. Why, why are they doing it to me? I'm such a victim. But he's saying, you know what? Christ is preached through it. So I have my joy in that. <clears throat> my circumstance stinks. But my joy, my joy outweighs my circumstance. See, you're going to get in trouble in life when your circumstance outweighs your joy. When you begin to put too much on the external instead of the internal of what's going on in life. <coughs> and because of this, because Christ has preached, here's that word again, I rejoice. And then he says, not only do I rejoice once, he says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. Because the, God's picture is so much bigger than me. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus, uh, of Jesus Christ, notice what he says, what has happened to me? What has happened, not the complaining thing, will turn out for my deliverance. How many of you know the Word of God says God works through all things for the better of those who love Him? So whatever circumstance you find yourself in, don't whine and cry about the circumstance. It doesn't mean the circumstance is a good circumstance that makes you happy. But instead of saying, why, 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 fix your eyes onto Him where your hope of deliverance is. And know that He is the way maker, miracle worker. Verse 20 says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, <coughs> but it will have sufficient courage to show now as always will Christ be exalted in my body, whether in life or death. And he says, here he is, in prison, waiting execution. And he says, you know what, guys? I'm in a win-win situation. I'm not going to let the circumstance steal my joy. He says, I am in a win-win situation. He says, uh, verse 22, uh, uh, verse 21, I'm sorry. For to me, speaking of his future, to live is Christ, to do his work, but to die, if they kill me, it's gain. I'm going to be with the Lord. If I am to go on living in this body, he says, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yes, what, what shall I choose? I don't know. He says, I'm torn between the two. And, and boy, I'm torn between the two. And he, it, to think about what he's been through already, I, I would have been saying a long time ago, man, I'm ready to go. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to face any more of this. But he says, I know the kingdom business is most important. And he says, if, God, if it's God's plan that I don't understand, that I continue this life on earth, I'm going to continue for him. I'm going to continue. He says, but if he takes me home, it's better by far. Verse 22, if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. And that's what I said. I wouldn't know. I'd say, take me home, Lord. Verse 23, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better 
by four. He says, it would make me happy, but it's more necessary for you, the body, that I remain in the body. He says, I'm convinced of this. That's why I have joy. I am convinced of this. I know, what it, I know that I will remain and will continue with all of you uh, for your progress and what? Joy where? In your circumstance? Joy in your faith. I will continue for joy in your faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Jesus Christ will abound on account of me. Happiness. Let's review real quick. Happiness is based on your situation. You'll be happy now. You'll be sad later. It's a roller coaster. But true joy is found in Him, in Christ Jesus. And as long as I know that no matter what I'm going through, and it's okay to celebrate that I don't understand why I'm going through this, that's good. That means God's working. Even when I don't see it, He's working. God's got an answer on the way for everything you're going through. Amen. Let's stand to our feet as we close in prayer this morning. Father, I just come to you right now. And Father, I just pray for each and every one here, each and every one listening online this morning, Father. Father, I pray that the joy of the Lord would be with each and every one of us right now. Father, we know all the chaos going on in this world right now, Father God. But we choose to take our eyes off of the chaos Offer everything that's going on and place our eyes on you, Father God. For your hope, your joy is where our strength comes from, Father God. Our hope is in you. Our joy is found in you. You are our strength. So, Father, I just pray right now for each and every one that the spirit of peace would come upon them right now and we bind the spirit of fear over each and every one's life right now in Jesus' name. And if there's anyone in here or you've watched on, uh, watching online and you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I just want to give you that opportunity that you would come to realize that God did not send His Son to condemn you, to punish you. God sent His Son to have your sins forgiven so that you could spend eternity with Him in heaven. So I just ask that if everyone just repeat this simple prayer. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I admit I am in need of a Savior. I believe that you sent your Son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And I believe that he rose again and is seated at your right-hand side. I receive the gift of salvation provided through Jesus Christ right now from this day forward. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Remember, joy is found in Him. Amen. God bless you.